There are a lot of stories about the time period known as the Great Depression. Stories of people losing jobs, livelihoods, barely making ends meet, or even having to leave the places they called home in search of the faintest hope of work. This story is a little different. This one has a happy ending. I promise. I'm Braden Thorvaldson, and this is What? Explain. A crowd had started to gather at the Von Bonn Farm in Madison County, Nebraska. The bank official looked up from his ledger and grinned, pleased with the turnout. Admittedly, the bank had taken the steps of posting handbills about the foreclosure auction all over the nearest two towns in hope of recovering some of their investment, but the crowd that had turned up at the farm was far beyond what they had hoped for. With a little bit of luck, the bank would even turn a tidy profit on selling off the property and equipment. Sometimes the family defaulting on a loan is the best way for the bank to get all their money and more right away. Funny how the world works, the bank official reflected as he handed the auctioneer the list of items to be put up that day. Looking out over the crowd, the official saw a few of the auction regulars, the wealthier farmers who were looking to buy some equipment at lower-than-market prices, the land speculators looking to grab a new acquisition to put towards their considerable portfolio, and many of the others in the upper class that he had a friendly yet professional relationship with. What surprised him was the sheer number of unfamiliar faces, ones that seemed less affluent than what he was used to, and there was none of the jovialty that he expected at an auction in these faces. They were muttering among themselves, keeping an eye on the auctioneering stage as if preparing for some big event. However, anyone was welcome at these auctions, and if they felt like bidding on a lot to drive the prices up, so much the better. The official checked his watch, then nodded at the auctioneer to get the event started. The auctioneer began his patter. Hello everyone and welcome to the Von Bon Auction. My name is Frank Rutgert and I'll be your auctioneer for the day. Let's start off with a very fine horse-drawn plow. It's had some use, but it'll do the job. Now we'll start off the bidding at... Five cents. A booming voice rang out from amidst the crowd of farmers. Astonished muttering was heard from the regulars at the auction, but the sea of farmers remained silent after that. One of the speculators scoffed and raised his hand. I'll bid ten dollars for the... The rest of the sentence was cut off with a sharp wheeze, as an elbow from one of the farmers went into the speculator's side. Apologies, my friend here fell over. I was simply helping him up. The farmer smiled, grabbing the speculator roughly by the arm and bringing him up to his feet, still coughing. The auctioneer looked astonished for a second, and then recovered, saying, Was that a bid for ten dollars from the gentleman just getting back up? You know, I think my friend here is just gonna sit this round out. Having such a hard fall tends to take it out of a person. Isn't that right? The farmer replied. The speculator, still leaning over and catching his breath, saw an enormous set of mud-encrusted boots move into his field of vision. Looking upwards, he saw a tower of a man, a farmhand easily six foot three inches, standing in front of him. The farmhand looked at the auctioneer and said, I agree. I'll go take care of him while you all continue. He clapped the speculator on the shoulder and maintained his grip on the much smaller man as he firmly led him towards the back of the crowd. 
As the farmhand moved through the crowd, he caught the eyes of the regulars in the front row. Good luck to you all, but I feel it might be best if the land and the farming tools stayed in the area. We've had some hard times, and it would be a shame to lose all this. Don't you agree? The regulars scoffed for a second, and then realized that they were the only ones chuckling. The other hundred or so farmers seemed dead serious, and had their eyes set on them the entire time. As one, they decided to let the first lot go, in hopes of maybe finding something else. The plow went to the farmer who bid five cents, who handed over his nickel to the auctioneer, and received the deed to the plow in return. Stone-faced, he accepted the deed and moved back into the crowd. The farmers parted the way for him, and soon he arrived in front of a weather-beaten man, his face full of dirt, streaked with tears. The farmer removed his hat and addressed the man. Mr. Von Bonn, I know it's not everything that the bank took from you, but I'd like to think that it's a good start. The farmers in the area and I have something of a plan to be able to beat those bank bastards at their own game, and if all goes well, we'll be able to get you back everything you've lost. As he was talking, he handed the deed over to the man, the former owner of the farm and materials up for auction, who took the piece of paper, utterly at a loss for words. Thank you, Abe, but we have no money. How can we ever repay you? Walking back into the crowd, the farmer shrugged. No repayment needed, my friend. In times like these, if we can't rely on our neighbors, who can we rely on? As the day moved on, the pattern continued. One of the farmers would bid a nickel or a penny for whatever came up on the block, and whoever dared tried and bid higher than that were swiftly intimidated into silence. Whomever won the item made their way to that man in the back and handed over the deed, some with words of encouragement, others with just a pat on the shoulder. At the end of the day, the bank had earned $5.25 from their repossession and sale of the Von Bonn farm and all their assets, and the Von Bonns were in full possession of their farm again, debt-free. Scenes like this took place all over the United States as banks attempted to foreclose on many farms in the so-called Dust Belt due to the farmers being unable to keep up with payments. But how did so many farmers get into such dire straits? Well, a lot of it stemmed from the economic boom of the 1920s. After World War I and the Spanish flu, people were, for all intents and purposes, realizing that life was for the living, and were very much ready to celebrate and spend money to make their lives better. As a result of this consumer willingness to spend, economic circumstances increased throughout the Western world particularly in the United States. New technologies like the automobile, moving pictures, and the household radio became widespread, proving that these new advances were no longer only the realm of the rich and powerful. This bounty started in the major cities in the United States, but soon spread throughout the country. With this newfound prosperity and higher prices for food, many farmers tried to increase their efficiency and their revenue, by buying more land or newer machinery. The unfortunate part of this situation was that they didn't often have the money on hand to purchase these immediately. As a result, many farmers ended up taking loans out from banks, using their existing property as collateral. This all worked fine, as many large financial decisions do, right 
up until it didn't. When the stock market crash of 1929 happened, the economy of the United States, and by extension, the world, was in tatters. Even when people did still have money, they weren't spending it like they used to, and this contraction was felt all the way into the farmlands of the United States. Since farmers weren't able to sell as much of their produce or harvests as they did in the 1920s, many weren't able to make the payments to the bank for the land that they had purchased. As a result, the bank repossessed the land, and since the value of said land has taken a large decline since it was purchased, they also took over the entirety of whatever the farmer pledged as collateral, which was often everything they owned. Many a family was thrown off their land in such a manner in the early 1930s, and to try and recover some of their investment, the banks often held auctions to sell off their belongings and farm equipment, usually to people living in nearby towns. However, after having to deal with auction after auction where their neighbors had their livelihoods taken away, some farmers hit upon an idea. If the banks needed to sell off the materials to the highest bidder, they would make sure that it sold at the absolute minimum price possible, and oftentimes the deed to those materials would be returned to their original owners. If the bank owners and officers refused to accept these terms, they were physically threatened by the assembled group of farmers. Given that they were numbered at least 20 to 1, the bank officers usually went along with it, at least initially. When these tactics began getting more widespread, the banks stopped holding these auctions, and in 1933, when Franklin D. Roosevelt became president, programs were put in place to hold off on foreclosures on land, as well as to stabilize the banking system. While the time of the penny auction wasn't a long one, and in fact tends to be mostly forgotten today, descendants of this methodology continue to this day. On December 6, 2011, offshoots of the Occupy Wall Street movements disrupted an auction of seized houses in Atlanta by using sirens and police whistles as a part of protests happening across 25 cities in the United States. On that same day, protesters in Los Angeles rallied around a family of five who lost their home in a foreclosure six months previous as a part of the subprime mortgage bubble burst, leaving 25% of all mortgages in the United States in danger of defaulting. At the very least, this tells me that if you do manage to get some people together, you can start to make change for the better. You don't necessarily have to throw your hands up in despair and think that the rich and powerful control everything. There are possibilities of things getting better. And sometimes, it's just the thing that can rally a town together. I'm Braden Thorvaldson, and I'll talk to you all in a couple weeks. Theme music and audio mixing for this episode was done by Craig Murdoch, who tells me that I shouldn't keep putting my apartment down as collateral on things, primarily because I rent. If you want to be up to date with all things podcast related, why not follow us on Instagram at whatexplaincast or on our Facebook page as What Explain Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you have some time, please rate and review us. Word of mouth still remains an excellent way to tell people about the show. So if you have a friend, family member, or large group of angry farmers nearby that you think may be interested in the show, please let them know. Thanks very much, and I'll talk to you all later. 